Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Amen. Let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. Today I want to talk to you about the conspiracy of grace. The conspiracy of grace. And boy, is it ever a conspiracy. Now let me just, I want to give you the dictionary definition of conspiracy, all right? I mean, you know what it is, but it's defined as a secret plan by a group to do something unlawful or harmful. Now, we're going to find these two aspects about the conspiracy of grace. There was a conspiracy of grace. And it bore these two uh, components big time, unlawful and harmful. And we're going to see exactly what that means. All right? Yeah. Okay. But first, this woman in, in, uh, was sitting by a man on an airplane. She's an older lady, and she got to talking to him about her grandbabies. She had nine grandkids. She even pulls out of her purse all these photo albums. She's showing him every picture, telling him every story behind every picture. A couple of hours into this, just giving him an earful. And finally, it dawns on her that she's been doing all the talking, you know. And she says, I'm so sorry. She said, I, I've been doing all the talking here. You haven't said anything. So what do you think of my grandkids? <laughs> Grandparents are the only ones that understand that, really. And we are grandparents. This, this is our grandson on the front row. Mr. Boston Riley, I call him Boss Man, and uh, he and our, uh, and then our daughter's here too, that's important as well, and we miss our son-in-law today, but they, they live in San Angelo, as you know, and, and uh, so it's just good to have him here this week, them here this weekend, and then where's Laurel and Tessa Rose? Laurel, mom left and left her baby here, okay, so I guess we're, and then our granddaughter's here too, Tessa Rose, so um, we are a blessed grandparents. Life is good as a grandparent. Amen? Okay, so now today, this is going to be kind of more of a Bible study together because I need to unlock several scriptures for you. This is going to be our foundational place, and I don't have a whole lot of time to give this to you. So what I'm going to do is just kind of skim the surface with you. But I want to encourage you today to especially take notes. And then I want you to spend this week reviewing these things because it, it's so important that we as the people of God really understand this revelation of grace as was given to the apostle Paul for the Gentile church. All right. So Ephesians chapter three, verse one says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me for you, how that by revelation, he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed. Let's say those three words together. Now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow... Every time you see the word Gentile, that means you. Okay? Just take that personally. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ. How? Through the gospel of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Verse eight, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among, there you go, there you go, me. Preach among me the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see, everybody say all see, what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages had been hidden in God. Oh, this is a conspiracy. The secret. Hmm? 
hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Thank you, Paul. Finally, a period. The revelation that is pouring out of this apostle from the Spirit of God, sometimes it takes so many verses to just kind of get the idea. You've got to read lots of it. And then by the time you get there, you're like, what did I just read? I can remember reading, the, especially as a young man when I was in, at Christ for the Nations as a student, I would just pour over the scriptures and, and start reading this stuff. And then I would just, you know, when you blur out, you know, the, the, the brain goes numb. And I just, I wanted to get it, but it just didn't make sense to me. And so I kept reading and I'd call my dad, Dad, I don't understand the Bible. Why don't, why, how do you know what you're doing? How do you know that that's what that says? I hear you articulate it like you, it's so easy for you to do that. But I, he said, just keep reading. Just keep reading. Just keep reading. Keep digging. Pray. The Lord is revealing things to you here. But you just got to keep reading. And, um, you know, I found that that is absolutely right. Huh? Come on, tell somebody next to you. Just keep reading. So from these verses that we read here, that we can, we can certainly see, right, a mystery or a secret hidden in God for many ages. And Paul says, now that secret's out. Now the secret's out. It's been revealed to me. It's been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets. So this conspiracy, as I said before, has both the unlawful and harmful aspect to it. And so we're going to bring in some other verses to help us understand that, what that means. But we have to go back to verse 1 now, okay? Are you guys with me? I am going to move a little fast, but are you with me? Stay with me. All right. For, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation. The dispensation means the stewardship or the administration. In other words, Paul says, I'm in charge of this grace to give to you. All right? The dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. So this is the guy in charge of grace. Wow. The message of grace. God put Paul in charge of that. So how many of you realize that this is important then? We need to hear the man that's in charge of the message of grace. We need to hear from him. And specifically, he says, I'm a prisoner of Christ for you Gentiles. So this is our apostle speaking to us. And as I told the earlier service, and I've told you many times, if you do not understand, that's why he wrote these letters. So when reading, you may understand my knowledge in this mystery. If you don't understand Paul's knowledge in the mystery, you won't understand any of the Bible. It all starts there. And that then helps you understand what it means to rightly divide the word of truth. Because otherwise, you will just think it all applies to you. You know, one day, Bible reading's fun. The next day, it's awful. It's nightmarish, right? So Paul helps us understand with this message of grace. Oh, my goodness. He says, I'm the prisoner of Christ for you Gentiles. Now, there are many who teach. You know, I can remember growing up, and I grew up in a Pentecostal church. And this, our Pentecostal church wasn't as hardcore as some other ones because our pastor actually studied the Bible, and he understood grace a lot better than a lot of, many of them did. And, um, and this was in southern Oklahoma, and uh, I was thinking about that when Alex was talking about that, whatever state I'm in, I'm like, even when I'm in Oklahoma, I can be content. But in order to be holy, but the, 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 the idea is in order to be holy, that you must act holy. And many times that emphasis in a message like that is on sin and the need to feel sorry for it, to repent and to behave. This, I, I grew up 
going through those gyrations over and over again. Every service ended at the altar, right? And the altar was the place where you bawled your eyes out, you felt bad enough for your sin, you promised you'd never do it again, and you did it again. And the altar became the idol rather than a place of true consecration. It just became, we do everything to get here so that we can get right with God and then go back to our life. And the next Sunday, we'll come back and we'll get right with God again. And it was over and over and over again. I wasn't getting free. I wasn't changing. I was crying a lot. I was sorry. I mean, sorry. Nothing was changing. We all can agree here that we should live holy lives. Um, Really? Okay. We all agree here that we should live holy lives, right? But holiness is not born out of good behavior. Holiness is the fruit of your righteous condition, right? You are called, the scripture says, trees of righteousness. What's your fruit? Holiness. I don't have to strive for it. I was born for it. You were born for it. Huh? You're holy by the grace of God. Therefore, you act holy. I say that so that we can understand what Paul is saying when he calls himself a prisoner of Christ for the Gentiles. Now listen to me. Holiness preaching, and I'm talking about legalistic kind of preaching, right? It's the law kind of preacher, right? This is the guy Paul was as Saul of Tarsus, the man who knew the law. He said, I was the best of the best. Concerning the law, I was blameless. What man on planet earth can seriously have the audacity to say, concerning the law, I was blameless? He did. The best of the best. So this guy preached that kind of message and that Holiness preaching did not get put, put, that's not what got Paul put in prison. As a matter of fact, holiness preaching is what caused Paul to put Christians in prison. In in, in Acts chapter 8 and verse 3, look at this. It says, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. This guy was all out zealous for God. And he was putting the people of God in bondage. Still happening today. A lot of zealous preachers out there putting people in prison. Now, you would think that when the church was taking off, that Saul of Tarsus would be celebrating. Woo, finally! You'd think he would be excited about this, right? No, not, not so. Now, so. I mean, this guy is one of the greatest spiritual leaders, and, and the church is growing at this exponential rate. But here's the problem. It wasn't growing on the grounds of that system of religion that only Saul knew about. It was growing out of a revelation. The revelation that Christ died for their sins and that Christ rose again from the dead. And that revelation was taking off. And so to Paul or Saul of Tarsus, this does not look like a revival. This looks like a revolt. This looks like a threat on me and our system. So he did everything he could to turn back on it and to squelch this movement, this cult, or they called the way. And do everything to blaspheme the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's what he said. Look at verse 3 of Ephesians 3. How that by revelation he made known to me the secret, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. That's why it's written down, so that we can understand it. Amen. So when Paul says this, he says it this way. He is, sim- he is implying that others do not have this knowledge. You know, it's... it's to me, it's interesting that we're in 2020 and we're still, there's still a lot of struggle about this grace thing. Way too much struggle. Way too much division in the church over it. 
Verse 5, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. Now, Colossians says it like this. This mystery that, was, that is now being revealed is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You get to be partakers of this same body. What same body? The, the same body that the Jews are part of. That middle wall of separation has been brought down, and now you get to come in. How? Through the gospel. You see, this is, the church had issues with this in the very beginning. Uh, the first council in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15, they had, a, they had to settle this main issue. And the main issue was that um, whether the Gentiles had to live by the law once they got saved. Because the Pharisees and those other leaders, they were believing Jews, right? And they said, no, uh, that's great you're saved by grace, but it, you got to pay something too. And the, the payment is you need to be circumcised, you need to keep the law of Moses. And man, this argument breaks out and there's much disputing. And that's when Peter stands up and brings them to the house of Cornelius and reminds them of that first Gentile convert. No Gentiles have been saved until Acts chapter 10. The first Gentile convert. All right, so this is something like 10 years after Pentecost, Peter ends up at Cornelius' house. When you're reading Acts, you think it's just a couple of days later. This is years have gone by since the Holy Spirit had been poured out in Acts chapter 2 where 3,000 Jews get saved. So remember, I've told you this before, that when Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, the disciples never ever thought that that meant the Gentile world. That made no sense to them. Uh, they just thought every Jew that's across the world needs to hear the gospel. And that is the gospel of the kingdom. What's the gospel of the kingdom? Repent, be water baptized. Hmm? Repent and be water baptized. That's what they preached over and over again. But then Peter gets to Cornelius' house by that angelic visitation to Cornelius and the spirit, tell, uh, you know, the, the vision to Peter there in, in Joppa. So he gets to Cornelius' house. And so he says, I, he says, I, my work, my, I'm going to paraphrase. My mind is blown here because my law tells me I can't even be in your house, but the spirit told me to come. So something's changed. And now I'm figuring out something that God is no respecter of persons because God had no dealings with you before. Neither did I. But the Spirit told me to come, doubting nothing. And so he began to preach. And in verse 43, he gets to this conclusion where he says, To him, through his name, whoever believes on him will receive remission of sins. And verse 44 says, While Peter was still speaking these words, what words? Whoever believes on him will receive remission of sins. The Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those Jews that had come with Peter were astonished because they heard them speak with tongues. And Peter said, whoa, 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 hang on, hang on. No, we have a system to this. And the system is you have to believe and be baptized, and then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And God said, that ain't like that for the Gentile. It's not like that for the Gentile. Matter of fact, that bothers me a little bit because they didn't even pray a sinner's prayer. He's preaching, and they start speaking in tongues. Well, Peter's like, wait, wait a second. Jesus said only believers, this sign follows believers in my name, they will speak. Something's happened between me saying to him, all the prophets witness, whoever believes on him, and them speaking in tongues. And so in Acts chapter 15, with all this dispute breaks out, Peter takes them back to there, and he says, God purified their hearts by faith. It comes down to faith in the heart. That was it. They didn't pray a prayer. They didn't get water baptized. We didn't do the steps because the gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. And God wanted that 
this is the precedent, my family, this is the precedent setting moment for how people get saved. To hear the gospel and to believe it. Man, have we jacked this up or what though? Systematic, systematic. Like I told you before, it's always, it's the process, right? Raise your hand, raise your hand, stand up, stand up. If they don't stand up, I'll be ashamed of you before my father. Okay, okay, now come forward. Right? It's just, we, we've got our way and you've got to fit in our system. Rather than believe in the power of the gospel by itself. That's being ashamed of the gospel. Of course, my brother and sister wouldn't admit that. The gospel is it. Whew. Okay, verse 7, of which I became a minister, uh, Ephesians 3, according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints. How many of you know that? I, I, I would say, Paul, mm, no. I think he's the greatest Christian who ever lived. But that's why, because that's how he saw himself. This grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches and to make all see what is the fellowship or the partnership. It's the Greek word koinonia, uh, the partnership of the secret, which from the beginning of the ages was hidden in God. So here's the deal. The gospel of grace is God making partnership with the Gentile world. Mm. Who created all things through Jesus Christ. What does John 1 tell us? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Through him, all things were made, and without him, nothing was made that was made. It all happened through the word. So it's important not only to have a general, or in general, that the Bible, it's important to believe that the Bible is true, right? We all believe the Bible is true here today? Am I in the right church? You better say yes. But also, that in the Bible, God's words are actually identical to his actions. His words are identical. You can write that down. God's words are identical to his actions. Because when he says, let there be light, what happens? When he tells Abram, no longer will your name be Abram, but now it will be Abraham. That's when it happens. In that moment. Because after that meeting, God says, I have made you a father of many nations. When did you do that? It's in your name. It's in your name. I've spoken it. And it's done. The Bible doesn't say that God speaks and then proceeds to act or, or when he names something, then he proceeds to shape that thing. No, God speaking is, and acting, I should say, God speaking and acting are the same thing. His word is his action. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 1, 3, let's bring that up. I told you we were going to look at some scriptures, and I'm trying. All right. Hey, I forgot. Oh, Calvary's aren't even playing today. we got some time, right? Hopefully they'll play sometime this year. Hebrews 1, 3. Who being, this is speaking of Jesus, the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things. Watch. By what? The word of his power. Notice it does not say the power of his word. It says he upholds all things by the word of his power. Woo. He's got all this power and that power is released through a word. And he upholds. The word uphold means to carry away or to move or to bring forth. By the word of his power. So his word, that's, why, that's why the gospel is all we, we need. What did Paul say? It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. So people don't need, I mean, works can't save you, right? We, we believe that. It's words that save us. See, because Cornelius had all the works down, right? The, when, the, when Acts 10 opens up about him, it says he was a devout man. 
He, um, he was a, a one who prayed to God always. He feared God with all of his house and he gave alms generously to the poor. And I've told you this before. If I'm watching, if I'm watching Cornelius' life, I'm actually going to make a terrible mistake of assuming that guy's a Christian. Because he's devout. He gives generously. He prays, the Bible says, all the time. One problem, he's not saved. Because that can't save you. But he did get God's attention. But it wasn't until they heard words. To him all the prophets witness. Whoever believes on him will receive remission of sins. There it is. Bam. Here's the Holy Spirit to confirm. What is the gospel? What is this message? It's good news. It's really good news. It's the best news you'll ever hear in your entire life. Because this good news doesn't have a bait and switch to it. Hmm? God is good and then the other foot dropped. But you must toe the line. I grew up listening to that garbage. It's a message. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Isn't that beautiful? So this pure gospel, if we're really going to preach it and understand it and believe it the right way, it's about Christ died for our sin. Christ was buried. Christ rose again. Christ, Christ, Christ. But you know, you know how I heard it growing up a lot? You got to turn from your sins. You got to turn from your sins. Turn from my sins. If a sinner turns from their sins, they cease to sin. Do they get saved? No, it just makes them a well-behaved sinner. Can't save them. Believe on Jesus. Guess what believing on Jesus is? It's turning from sin. Amen. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you and all of your household shall be saved. But you know the problem is, and I, I've, I've dealt with this myself, this, this struggle as a preacher and a teacher to help people understand. So I feel like sometimes I just need to over-explain it. But they need to know, and I, I have to explain it to them. Careful with that. The gospel is the power to save. We are not explainers. We're proclaimers of the gospel. It has all the power to save. Let's just trust it. Let's trust our God. Mm. All right, I'm almost through. Romans chapter 3. You guys okay? Yeah. Romans chapter 3, verse 24. Being justified freely by his grace. How were we justified? Not. Man, don't you love grace? Now, I've been, I've been accused, I don't know how many times, preaching that cheap grace. No, it's better than cheap, buddy. It's free. Justified freely by his grace. How are you justified? Freely by, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. But look at verse 28. It says, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith. How? Apart from the deeds of the law. As I've told you in Romans chapter 4 and verse 5. Right? Romans 4 verse 5 says uh, something really good. And I just went blank. <laughs> But to him who does not work, listen to this, but to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly. Now that's a mouthful right there. God justifies ungodly. His faith is accounted for righteousness. Now watch this. Faith without works 
is all we've ever heard is dead. But Paul said faith without works is righteousness. Hmm. Yeah, but James says faith without works is dead. I know. And you can't, you can't, you can't make those two things mix because they don't. Because both of them say you're justified. One of them says you're justified by works and not by faith only. The other one says you're justified by faith apart from works. This drove Martin Luther, the great reformer, mad that he tore the book of James out of his Bible and said it wasn't inspired by God. That's a little extreme. It's very extreme. The reason is, is because they're speaking to two different audiences. That's the only way that both men can be right. Because you cannot, cannot, you cannot make these things make sense. They contradict each other. And this is what I'm talking about, rightly dividing the word of truth. This is the problem is that you can't mix grace. We want to make grace fair. You can't fair grace. It's unfair. Christ died for your sins. How fair was that? He got blamed for your misgivings and your failures. Is that fair? No, but it's what he did. When James opens up, it says, to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Is that you? No? Now, there are things we learn from James. I preach on the power of the tongue from the book of James like nothing. But when it comes to how you're justified, my family, there is a bit of a difference. Now, Christ is the center of it. Grace really is key. But as far as the Jew goes, the law is a blessing to the Jew. But in it to you, that law was not to you. It's better. I've told you this before. It's better that we're no longer under the law. Hey, my friend, we were never under the law. That law spoke against you. That law governed a nation called Israel. When they said, when God said, thou shalt not kill, he didn't mean to kill Gentiles because they killed a lot of Gentiles after that law came. That was about them, how they govern, uh, how they're governed together as a nation. Don't kill each other. The rest of the world is pray. It was hard for me to hear this for so long because I had been so inundated with one mindset about this. Until I kept looking at Paul and this mystery of grace. Now I learned something really powerful. I want you to go in one more place. Galatians chapter 5. I didn't put, give this to you guys. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. This is, this is something that really changed. It did. It was, it was a game changer for me. I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Next verse. We might read one or two more, sorry. I think it says, for the flesh, yeah, lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Now, this is is such an important verse for us Christians because you have to know, you have to define who you are here in this verse. Are you the flesh being resisted by the spirit? Are you the spirit being resisted by the flesh? Hmm? The spirit against these are contrary to what so that you who are you? Who are you? Are you the flesh or are you the spirit? Okay. You are a spirit. Can we go back to basic doctrine 101? You are a spirit, I have a soul, I live in a body. Right? Now watch. So that you, the spirit, don't do what you want. Because that flesh is fighting you on every corner. But isn't it incredible how in the church it's been turned upside down so much? God's grace has saved you, but that don't mean you can go do whatever you want. 
So now, now you're regarding me according to the flesh instead of according to the spirit. This is, what this is the bondage people get put in. I am a spirit. Pray that I go do what I want to. Because my desire is his desire. I am one spirit with God. Hallelujah. I'm not going to live by the flesh. I live by the spirit. The church of God need to be so free that the flesh has no hold on them. But we make it this instead. We regard people according to the, I don't mean you don't do whatever you want. Like everybody's rotten out there. No, we are born again spirits of God, saved by grace, new creations in Christ Jesus. I cannot today uh, be more righteous, no, uh, even in heaven, can't even be righteous more there than I am right here right now. You can't be more righteous ever than you are right now because it's not your righteousness. It's his gift to you by faith through Jesus. That means you are just as righteous as Jesus. You are just a much, as much a child of God as Jesus is. You have that much security. Why, 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 why are we trying to talk ourselves out of it? And because we are, we're just tripping up. And we're fighting each other. Oh, my God, if we could be united on this, we'd take over the world. I, I'm t I mean, we are taking over the world, but it could happen a lot faster. Hmm? This mixed grace is carrots and sticks. <laughs> if you confess, you'll be forgiven. If you do right, you'll be accepted. If you act holy, you'll be holy. But if you fail to perform our codes of conduct, you'll lose your forgiveness. You'll lose your fellowship, and worse comes to worse, you'll lose your salvation. Mm. God help the church get this revelation. Thank you, Lord, for the grace of God that has forever transformed us and revolutionized our lives. It's so unfair, and yet it's what you chose to give us because you love us. You weren't about keeping score. We were dead. And we needed resurrection. And while we were dead in our trespasses, you made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we have been saved. And Lord, we thank you for your amazing grace. That is, with, it will not allow the law, the laws of man, the rules and regulations to have any part with it. It's grace alone. And it does much harm to the kingdom of darkness. Because for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. And my God, did he ever destroy him when he made us new creations in Christ. Thank you, Lord, for this grace. And I pray, God, that we, your people, would come alive in it and understand it's your effective power in us. Not by works of righteousness that we've done, but by your mercy we are saved. It's by your mercy we live. It's by your grace that we walk by faith. Thank you, Father. Lord, I, I, I pray, God, for those that may be struggling with some cyclical issues in their life, God, that today a revelation of grace would be seen in their, their hearts and their minds, God, because your word says sin shall not have dominion over you. You're not under law. You're under grace. And when grace is reigning over you, you reign over sin. Thank you for that, Lord. 
We accept your grace. We receive it. We thank you for it. God, it's hard to comprehend it because it goes against so much of what we've been raised in, what we know just about the world. Uh, sow and reap, do good, get good, do bad, get bad. But God, your grace, it, it's, it's so different from that. Opposite, actually. Help us to fully accept this, to believe this, so that we can live in the full experience of your grace. Thank you, Lord, that the church of the living God is being built by our Savior. And we are in this thing side by side, co-laborers with Christ for the glory of God and for the demise of the devil. Father, thank you. Right now, if you're here in the room and you need healing in your body, I want you to just raise your hand. I want to pray for you, Lord. Thank you in Jesus' name that you sent your word and you healed them and you delivered them from their destruction. In the name of Jesus, you, 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 surely, surely you bore our sicknesses, our diseases, our maladies, our calamities, our anxieties, and you carried our pains, both physical and mental pains. And by your stripes, they are healed. That means you have covered every aspect of disease, sickness, pains, and fears. You have taken care of it. The work is truly finished. And those scars that you bear are receipts declaring paid in full. We thank you for it now. They are healed. Say that with me. I am healed by his stripes in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So glad you guys came today. Thank you. I want to bless you now, and then Pastor Alex is going to come and dismiss us. Uh, Let's stand together. Thank you, Lord. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you, and may he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you in all of your house and give you peace. I want to say this right quick. Remember the New Testament message became you and all your house shall be saved. And maybe not everybody in your house is saved. You declare that over your family. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We are saved in Jesus' name because that's in the heart of God. He wants households. Amen. And give you peace in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.